Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 41 of McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. And I am your host, as always, Matt McChesney, coming to you from the sanctum of 6-0 Strength and Fitness, 6-0 Studios, the studio here at the gym. Check out 6-0 Strength at 6-0Strength.com. You can also check it out on Twitter and Instagram at 6-0 Academy. This place is truly the bridge for those looking to obtain big goals. Uh, you know, we dream big in this room and we know how to chase them down and attain them. Uh, we've got guys getting offered college football scholarships left and right. Uh, big money in the NFL, a lot of Dungeon family getting life-changing bread on that end. And then a lot of college guys stepping in and really being uh, captains and leaders on their teams. And I'm really excited about uh, the football season next year, there's going to be a lot of Dungeon family going to head-to-head all over the country. So check everything out. 60strength.com is the website, as always, and at 60academy on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on YouTube. So we've got a YouTube page for the show and for uh, the gym. So at 60strength is the, is, or 60academy is the, uh, the gym YouTube, and McChesney Unchained is the uh, YouTube for the show. So check all that out as well. All right, moving. <clears throat> This is episode 41, BSN Denver Podcast Network. This is McChesney Unchained. We're going to fucking roll today. All right. So, as always, this is brought to you by our good friends at 10thandUni.com. 10th and Uni is an incredible company. Uh, They do strictly buff gear. You need to check it out. My man Morgan, uh, I don't know where he came up with this idea, but it kicks ass. I love their hats. The t-shirts are dope. Uh, For all Buffalo, current buffs, and alumni, this is where you got to go to get your gear. Check it out, 10thandunity.com. That's T-E-N-T-H-A-N-D-U-N-I.com. Use the promo code GOBUS and they will get you hooked up. 10thandunity.com is where it's at. All right, as always, during the football season, 10th and Uni brings you all of our football talk. They bring you the show. They're our title sponsor for the entire year. Uh, and we start off with the top 25 CBS put out their coaches poll. And the regulars are in it. You know, the top 25, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Florida, Notre Dame, Texas. I mean, it's what you would expect. A lot of big names, preseason polls, I hate them. Uh, Nebraska's not in the CBS poll, which I dig. Northwestern got that 25th spot. Uh, They won their division last year, the same division Nebraska's in, actually. CU's obviously not in the top 25, losing seven straight's not going to help. They have an opportunity to get in it. If they can go win their first four or five games, they'll definitely be uh, kicking that door down. But the top 25, personally, for the first three or four weeks of the season is super stupid. I don't understand it. I don't know why they do it. I wish they wouldn't. 
It's something that I wish they would make teams earn rather than just saying you're this because there's a lot of instances where that contributes to that team just sticking around all year. You know, and a perfect example, this is 01. Nebraska's ranked one or two all season, and then they end up losing the last two games of the year. They don't play for the conference championship, and they don't win their division, but they still get to play in the national title because of their ranking. And it's that sucks. And it's happened a lot to a lot of other teams. That's just my personal experience with it. And I, I think that you should make teams earn their ranking. So I, I wish that they would not do rankings until the start of conference play or maybe week five. I don't know, but there's ways to change it to better the system. So the top 25 is what it is. Uh, <clears throat> the all-decade team came out for your Colorado Buffaloes. We'll talk about them here in a second if they open, have, as they have open camp. Um, so the all-decade team from the 90s, we'll say from 89 from 89 to 99, all right, and then from 2009, and then from 10 to 2019, are the three teams that I'm focusing on here. The 90s team is unbelievably stacked, and I think that's the best of the bunch, to be honest with you. Uh, the 2000 to 2010 team is top-heavy. There's a lot of guys from early uh, in, the, in the year, but... I'm telling you, the guys that make it 6, 06, 07, 08, 09 are really damn good. Go check all this out. It's on Ralphie Report. It's on, uh, it's on my Instagram and Twitter page. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, the the all-decade team they just put out with all those cats, you know, it's a lot of guys from 2016 and some guys from last year. And there's not a lot of depth on the team other than like a Paul Richardson or, or a uh, Greg Henderson, guys like that. So it's a great honor to be on the all-decade teams. I don't know who would win the games. I think that the 90s team is probably the best of the three. Uh, I would take my era next, the early 2000s, and then this last 10 years, third. But, I, you know, it is what it is. It's good to see them honoring guys. So check all that out. The all-decade teams are out. It's something I'm very proud of, and I know the guys that are on the squad are very proud of it as well. So check all that out. All right, so 10th and Uni, check it out. They always bring you your uh, college football banter, especially when we talk Buffaloes, and that's what we're doing now. So the, the Colorado Buffaloes is op have open camp. Uh, Mel Tucker... Uh, the great coach Mel Tucker has really emphasized being physical, uh, bringing your lunch pail every day. You know, somebody at practice was complaining about the heat, and I love it. Coach Tucker immediately come out and say, hey, this isn't hot. I'm from the south. We should get a little bit of humidity here. This isn't hot at all. And it's really not, retrospectively. Um, I remember we played at, uh, at Florida State when I was a junior in 03, and you could literally see the heat coming off the field. The humidity was insane. And if you want to talk about heat, there's nothing like it I've ever experienced. I played for the Dolphins, and that was hot, hot, hot. It was over 100 degrees with 70, 80% humidity on my birthday in November, November when I was down there. So it's really not that hot, and this team needs to get mentally tough. Last year, we crumbled uh, for the last seven weeks of the season, uh, and, and we weren't very mentally tough, in my opinion. So this is something that the coach is going to preach, and he's, you know, he's really trying to get these guys moving in the right direction here, and the way to do that is to treat everybody the same. We're all equal, but you know, or we're all the same, but we're not equal. If that mean, if that makes sense. So, you know, everybody in the room's the same. We're all dudes. We're all on the team. Everything's great, but we're not going to get equal treatment. You know, Mustafa Johnson's going to get a day off every now and then. The rookies aren't. Tim Lenat's going to get a day off every now and then. The rookies aren't, and they shouldn't. And honestly, I don't know if the vets should. But when you look at this team. This is what needs to happen for CU to get an eight or nine win season 
and some real positive mojo moving forward, especially when you have to replace a quarterback next year. Number one, Steven Montez needs to be the best player at his position in the conference, and that includes Herbert in, in Oregon. It includes him. And those two teams play, and that's going to be a huge fucking game. And Steven beat him once. Can he beat him again? Two, Mustafa Johnson and Nate Landman have got to take this team on defense by the reins and be absolutely unequivocally the best two players at their position in the conference. Mustafa needs to be the best interior three technique, one technique pass rusher, just, just disruptive force that he is. And Nate needs to be sideline to sideline, knocking people the fuck out and playing real physical, hard-nosed, smash-mouth football. Nate Landman needs to be in a position next year where he's literally looking at himself in the mirror and saying, why shouldn't I go to the NFL? That's what kind of year 53 needs to have. Mustafa is an undersized three technique. He's short, quote unquote. Now, I don't give a shit about that. I think he has unbelievable leverage and he has really long arms. So he knows how to use his length. He knows how to use his leverage and he's really nasty, inherently nasty. He's not a telephone tough guy, okay? He's the kind of dude you want to go into the alley with because he's going to have your back and fight till he dies. That's what I dig about the cat, all right? So I, I think that Mustafa has a really huge opportunity now. He's not going to sneak up on anybody. Last year, he kind of came out of nowhere, you know? This year, I think he's got an opportunity to go and just go ham on people, and people are going to know about him. They're, he's going to get a lot of double teams. They're going to isolate 34, find him, isolate him, and make sure he doesn't kick our ass. But he's going to have an opportunity, I'm telling you. When they know you can play and they try and game plan around you, the other guys have to step up to exploit individual one-on-one -on -one matchups that he's not going to get. But then I'm telling you, they're going to fall asleep on him eventually, and then he's going to just kill him. And I don't really think that you can beat him two-on-one. You know, the, there's a lot of really good short three techniques, and... I'm not going to say he's small by any means, but he's not huge. And I'm telling you, if you let 34 get under your pads, he's going to ruin your fucking weekend. So Aaron Donald's six foot six one. John Randall's six foot six one. You know, there's some really there's a huge advantage to playing with leverage if you can do it correctly. So keep your eye on 34, 53. Those two have to be the best two players on defense, maybe in the conference of their positions. That'll get them what they want individually, and it'll also help this team be an absolute monster on defense. My, uh, my senior campaign in 04, the last time this team actually won a bowl game, which is crazy to me, but I had Jordan Dizon behind me and Thaddeus Washington and Brian Ewu. Now, Ewu was kind of a hybrid safety linebacker, and he was probably the hardest hitter I've ever played with. And that's saying something because I played with Medford Moore, and, man, he'll put you to la-la land quick. We called him the Sandman. And then, uh, you know, when you look at Thaddeus, Thaddeus is an all-decade linebacker, and he was an ass kicker, really hard-nosed kid from Louisiana. Uh, and then downhill player, war number 49. And then Jordan was so fast, sideline to sideline. I mean, it's a funny story. The first day he walked in, he had a trash bag full of shit over his shoulder and uh, like a full, m massive mustache, like grown-ass man mustache, or Brian Cabral mustache. And I remember looking over at, uh, at Clatt and being like, yo, who's the janitor, dude? Who's this cat? And he turned out to be the best linebacker I ever played with, with the exception of a healthy Jay Sean Sykes. Um, so... When you look at 44 and 34, you know, I, I wish that I could have had another year with Jordan because he was really special as he got older. He was so raw when he was a rookie. He was just flying around making plays. One of the true, one of the few true freshmen to start and really kick ass in the, in the Big 12. Uh, but when you have a dominant interior presence and then you have a dominant middle linebacker, the rest of the team feeds on it and you can really get nasty with people. So I think the defense has a chance. Offensively, when you look at this, Chanel is a Heisman con 
he's a Heisman competitor and he can be in that room if other people step up. And I know that sounds crazy, but this is what I mean. They know he's special. They're going to key on him everywhere he goes, just like they did last year. I'm not saying he got worn out, but he were definitely get he was getting rowed hard last year and put away wet. And it cost him. He got hurt and it cost the team. When he got hurt, the season exploded. So I think that if they can find another op, another way to run the football vertically, not sideline to sideline, that's another problem we need to fix with this offense, in my opinion. If Nixon can be kind of that change-up with Chanel, and they can both be that lateral presence, but then also that vertical presence. You know, LaViscus was special last year, especially in the USC game when he broke that wildcat run. Oh, man, that was special. Brady Russell, number 38, has an opportunity to be a really special player for CU because of all the scissors blocking concepts. The opposite side tight end across the motion hammered the linebacker at the point of attack. It looks like a three-by-one formation, but really, you know, he's a lead blocker. and We're running power football at your face, and you think it's pass. So I think that Coach Shiv and Jay Johnson and a lot of these cats on offense, these coaches, have a really unique opportunity because they got some they got some dudes. They got some speed. They got some nastiness. Tim Lanott, he's gonna have a real opportunity to go lead his team at center, play independent hands, be the nasty bastard he is, show the NFL that he can play that position regardless of how long his arms are. Will Sherman, are you gonna step in and be an NFL football player? Because honestly, you should be thinking the same thing Lamin is. After this next year, if you go ball out, what's keeping you in school? Leave after your junior year. I know that's two seasons away, but I'm telling you, that's the way good people think. CU's a bridge to the NFL. That's the way I looked at it when I was coming out of high school. And for some reason, that perception changed over the last 10 years because we weren't very good consistently. But I'm telling you, it can, it's going to revert. That place, they are recruiting the shit out of that place. There are people that want to go there. I love how aggressive CU's been on the recruiting trail. When it comes full circle here, everyone, it's Steven Montez's show. If 12 is the best player in the conference at his position, if 12 is assertive, if 12 understands the offense, if he's not confused anymore, if he's not making bad reads, if he's not happy feet in the pocket because it's collapsing. Last year it happened a ton. He lost his reads and couldn't focus on delivering the football because he was getting punished. I can only imagine what that feels like as a quarterback, but I'm telling you, it's also in your job description to stand in there and take it and deliver the ball. And I think he has it in him. I really do. I think Steven could be a damn good professional quarterback. And this isn't from me. This is from guys like Joel Klatt, guys like Pesaveno, dudes I trust. Coach Fairchild, who's worked with a ton of my quarterbacks in the past, really likes Montez and what he brings to the table. I think Steven has a huge opportunity to be a very productive quarterback in the Pac-12. And he's got an opportunity to go show out because – you know, the, the Pac-12 puts out cues all the time. They got first-round quarterbacks going left and right. And if I'm at CU, and it pisses me off so I can only imagine how they feel, but when I'm at CU and I see, I see that everyone, you know, in, in, the, in the, the name of Major League, everyone picked us to finish dead last. Dead fucking last. That really makes me angry. So I can only imagine how it makes the players feel, okay? Dead last in the South. With all that experience coming back, starting 5-0 and last year, the quality teams they beat, but then the losing streak. 
Obviously, they think that's the team that we were, not the 5-0 and one, the 0-7 one. So that's enough motivation for me, man. The CU's got a huge opportunity to start the season 3-0 before we go into conference, and then going to Arizona State to start it off is awesome. I love it. That's going to be a huge game. I, I talk with uh, Arizona State center Cole Cabral, who's a draft pick next year all the time. It's where Sam Jones went, and they're jazzed up to get the bust there next year. They, they really thought that they let that game slip. If they would have won that game last year, they would have won the South. So that's another team that may be a nice little rivalry there. So CSU, Nebraska, Air Force, Arizona State. I don't know if there's been a more important four games to start a season ever. So I'm pretty excited about it. Check it out. TenthAndUni.com obviously brings you all of our buff talks. So check it out. Promo code GoBuffs. All right. So <clears throat> moving forward. Um, NeuroXPF.com uh, and the fantastic substance that it is, CBD, MCT oil pills, the muscle rub, the tincture droplets, the, they have lip balm now. I mean, go to NeuroXPF.com, check it out, promo code go, or promo code is 60SIXZERO. It's, it's an incredible product. It will definitely hook you up. I think it's way better than anything you can buy at a gas station, anything you buy at dispensaries. There's no THC in this product. It's made from hemp. So it's 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 just different. It's more of a performance-based CBD rather than just a, uh, you know, a let's get high CBD. So uh, it, it's pretty incredible. There's no THC in it also, so it's safe to take for athletes. No one will test positive, all right? I guess safe is the wrong thing to say, but you won't be testing positive if you take it, to say the least. Okay, so... <clears throat> Moving forward here, talk about the Denver Broncos. I don't really care about the NFL as a whole until we get moving into the rest of the year. I mean, let's be real. Uh, the Hall of Fame game, the Hall of Fame in general. Uh, I thought that the speeches were kick-ass. I thought that, you know, Champ Bailey's speech made me cry like a little girl because I'm a huge Bronco fan, number one, and I also played for the team. Played with Champ. Champ was a great teammate. Champ was a hell of a talent, maybe the best player in the NFL for a couple of years. Uh, too bad he never got a ring and they couldn't seal the deal there, but I'm telling you, he got a Hall of Fame ring and that's enough. He's one of the best corners to ever play the game. Mr. B, I really wish that he would have gotten in earlier so they could have had him there, but I'm telling you, man, they did it right. The, the Kevin Mawai and the, and the leadership that he showed with the presenting a check to the, the groundskeepers or some shit at the Hall of Fame in, in, in honor of Mr. Bowen to help out with that. You know, that'll start a trend of guys giving back. Each class will find something and contribute. Not not surprising that Kevin Mawai was in charge of that. That guy's a damn leader. Uh, champ speech. Just everything about the evening was special. It always is. Ed Reed was awesome. Um, Mr. B. And just, it was so cool to see that man honored the way he should have been. And, and it, it, it's so Denver. They showed out to support that man. And he showed out to support the Broncos. You know, he he was always the tip of the spear, man. And I just want to say thank you, Mr. Bowen, for, for everything. Thank you for giving me a chance. And thank you for being the owner that this city needed and the owner that the Broncos needed. Best owner in the history of sport, professional sports, in my opinion. Did the most with, with some of the, with the least for a long time. Uh, you know, one of the guys that really created Sunday Night Football, and I'm I'm damn proud to have played for that man and his organization. And my, you know, that Pat Bowen story I have is something I hold near and dear to my heart. So uh, that was pretty kick-ass. The game, 14 to 10 win. You'll always take a win. You know, no one's gonna you know get too excited about the preseason, but the way they did it, Winfrey making the catch to finish the game, especially after. 
a 10-yard holding penalty was pretty kick-ass. I mean, you can't sit here and be a cynic about it. It was awesome. Um, I swear to God, though, if I hear one more of these talking fucking heads say, well, it's just the two and the threes out there, bro, these backup players will beat the shit out of some people. You take any one of these two or three groups, okay, and they'll mop up Clemson and Alabama and Ohio. They'll beat them by 40 fucking points, bro. It's not even a goddamn comparison. These are grown-ass men. So they're not bad football players. It's not the two or the three group. It's simply just a matter of opportunity and guys who get it and guys that don't. So I'm really tired of hearing that narrative. It's lazy. It's fucking lazy goddamn sports reporting. Knock it off. I thought that the everybody looked rusty. It's the first game of the season. I kind of dig the fact that they had to play in the Hall of Fame game. It's kind of like a prize, but it also sucks because it's an extra two weeks of camp. You know, and you can tell the chippiness now over at Dove Valley. You got offensive players fighting each other. Manuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton going after each fucking going after each other in practice, fucking fighting. You know, Phil Lindsay yelling at Garrett for jumping off sides, not being focused. Thank you, Phil. You know, we talked about that. Just how to make sure that we keep everybody in line. You're, you went to the Pro Bowl last year. Use your voice. Get on someone's ass. Um, Ron Leary being a you know a, a guy that's in the middle trying to break him up. Derek Wolf being a guy trying to go out there and have some peace. Coach Fangio had to bring him up twice today at practice. I don't know if that's a good thing necessarily, but shit, if we got to pull it out of you, that's what we're going to do. So, look, the young guys on this team have got to realize what's in front of them. The Hall of Fame game was a nice taste. I think that we can get a lot better. The second group, Sam Jones, Schlotman. You know, big John Leglue, I thought that he played pretty well. Um, there were a lot of penalties and bullshit. I thought that the vanilla nature of the game, the, the Falcon players were kind of jumping the snap and jumping to play because they knew what was coming because it is so vanilla, zone right, zone left, power right, power left. They're not throwing a lot of game plan at them, so it's just man on man. Um I am very interested to see how they handle Seattle. I know it's a preseason game. I get it. But we're now two weeks. We've got an extra We got extra time on everybody. I'd like to think that they're going to be more polished than the Seahawks will be. There's going to be less mistakes. The second group will look good. The third group will look good. We'll get our first taste of Flacco in orange and blue. See what kind of wrinkles they throw out there. See where they use Phil Lindsay in the passing game moving forward, especially with the acquisition of Riddick. Um, I think Booker's probably going to be kicking rocks here pretty soon, uh, assuming that they don't want to keep like six tailbacks. Shit, I don't know. The Muhammad kid from the other night went for over 100 yards, but I think bringing in Riddick pretty much assures you that he's not going to be on the 53. Um, I still think they keep probably 10 offensive linemen, you know, eight defensive linemen. I love what Walker did the other night. You move him from now outside linebacker back inside, and he can, you know, obviously he's making plays because he's a defensive lineman. Um, I think that there's a ton of opportunity. I'm very concerned about the middle linebacker problem. You know, Todd or Todd Davis is hurt. Now Josie Jewell goes down. I hope that that's not serious. But you got just dudes stepping in now. Alexander Johnson, who is an absolute freak on the field, but hasn't played a lot of ball recently. Had a lot of legal stuff that he had to get through before he got back into the NFL. Was undrafted. You know, and and. There's going to be opportunities arising all over the place, but you can't just lose vets left and right, and it really puts the Broncos in one of those what should they have done. Why didn't you take a middle linebacker at 10? Well, we had to fill the tight end role. Okay, well, 
Now you're getting bite, bit in the ass because your linebackers are hurt. And that's just the way the NFL is, man. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. You just can't, Sometimes you can't do anything but what is in front of you. You just have to make your decision and roll with it. And I still think that this team has a really great opportunity to be special. I do. Joe Flacco is the is really the guy that's going to row the boat, though, because he's the quarterback. And that's the way this league works. It's just the way it fucking works in the NFL these days. I love the leadership being shown today, though. And there's two different things. Number one, Phil Lindsay barking at bulls. Okay, you jump off sides, he's probably going to bark at you a little bit until you get your head out of your ass. That's not personal. Don't take it personal. The Sutton and Sanders fist fight about whatever it's about, you know, and I, I was driving home today from the lab and, and working and listening to the fan and listening to Altitude and all these different, you know, talking heads. Guys that I respect, dude's doing a good job on the radio and, you know, a lot of good points were made. One of them, if you are getting harped on some, by somebody and they're riding your ass about a particular thing, okay? and you respect that person and you actually want to fix it, you're probably going to take it and try and fix it. But if you are getting harped on somebody and you don't respect them and you think they're full of shit, you're probably going to match that with ferocity and a little bit of telling yourself, telling them to watch their fucking mouth and getting on their ass and starting a fight, which is exactly what happened today. So I don't think Sutton's a dummy, and I think he can read. And we all know that Emmanuel Sanders has had a pretty checkered past here. I mean, this guy has not shown up to fucking practice before because he's been balls deep. Shit, I don't know that for sure, but I'm telling you that I can guess, okay? Something's got to make you miss practice. Shit. So, I just wonder if Sutton was at some point like, yo, dude, <laughs> who the fuck are you? I know that Sutton's young and Emmanuel's not, but I also, Emmanuel's past is not uncheckered. It is. And Sutton probably said something Sanders didn't like, and they started fucking with each other and fighting. And I don't care. If they get in a fight on the field, get in a fight. Hug it out and get back on the field and let's make it work. You know, it, it's really immature of them to let it stoop to that point, but that's what football is, and I don't care about camp fights. I usually fight the other guy on the other side of the field, but whatever. Very rarely do you fight your offensive line mate or your slot receiver and then the outside receiver. Usually they don't just throw down and start beating the shit out of each other, but hey, things change. Um, Flacco tried to break it up. I just hope he doesn't get hurt the next time somebody throws a punch. Maybe his hand doesn't get smashed in between face masks. Joe, stay out of it. Uh, if you go down, we be fucked. All right? We'll talk about the other quarterbacks here in a second, but holy nuts. I would just think that if you're going to let him fight, uh, you know, break it up, fight in camp with a helmet. It's pretty stupid. Open hand slaps on the ear hole are always good in that regard. Um, but Sanders maybe should check himself. But then again, if he's got to lead this way and that's the way they think things need to be done, then okay. Sutton, nothing wrong with, with standing up for yourself. But at the same time, maybe he does have a point. So hopefully these two can sit down and figure it out. And they can figure out how to get all these young guys moving in the right direction because they're really the key. There's some good vets on this team, but the young guys are going to be the difference between us being a 10-11 win football team or being a 10 or 11 loss football team like we were last year. All right, so the quarterbacks. <sighs> the quarterbacks. All right, so I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, draw, 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 Brett Rippin, oh, draw, 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 Drew Locke, Rippin's better, but Rippin's better. He is. I really hope they keep this kid and they don't slaughter him. 
I, I want them to get Kevin Hogan the fuck out of here immediately because he's just taking reps from young guys, and the young guys don't get enough reps. Anyway, no offense to Kevin. I know he's a good player and whatever. He's a smart kid. But these other two are going to be here for a while, and I want to see them. And I want these two to start competing for the backup job. That's what I'm looking for. And the other the other one's going to you know, the, the bench, not dressing, or fucking practice squad. And there's no way you can get Drew Locke on practice squad. So, I mean, how shitty would that be? For, you know, all the people that like harping on John Elway, if Rippon turns out to be a better prospect and they we have another Simeon, <laughs> Paxton Lynch type circumstance. Does it not matter because Locke's a second rounder and not a first? I'm not going to buy that. Some people were saying Drew Locke was going to be a fucking third pick in the draft. So I thought that Rippon and his command of the offense and just the the chances he took... I thought it was awesome. I thought, you know, he went out there and converted some stuff that a guy that's scared probably wouldn't. A guy that's thinking probably wouldn't. I thought that he kind of threw caution to the wind and just played ball. He really doesn't have that much to lose. He's an undrafted kid. Everybody thinks he's not going to make it anyway. He's got a namesake behind him, and he can definitely spin it. And that's a, that's a really scary type of cat. And you might have a guy there that could be your future, even if he is undrafted. Who gives a shit where he gets drafted? Just look at the circumstance with Freeman last year and then Lindsey. The draft is so overrated, it's disgusting. Fucking disgusting. I'd like to think that they can keep all these guys around. I hope that the rookie wage scale allows them to be smart when it comes to evaluating Drew Locke or Rippon on who they want to keep, who they think will be the player down the road, so on and so forth. I'd like to think that Rippon is going to be that guy. I don't know that, but I'd like to think. I like Locke. I think he's got a huge, huge arm, ton of potential. But at the same time, he's also got a lot of shit he's got to clean up. And it's the first preseason game, so here's the mop. Start scrubbing. All you're going to be doing is cleaning shit up for the next year minimum before you can at least get a shot and you probably won't if the team's any good because Flacco's going to play unless you're the reason that the team turns around when you get your opportunity so I like and I think that there's a lot of competition with the exception of like four or five spots I think there's a lot of open competition on both sides of the ball especially in the two and threes and the longer we go, the more people are going to get hurt and the more opportunities are going to arise. I'll be very interested to see how they handle the reps with the ones, twos, and threes when they move into the Seattle game Thursday night because that place is super loud. Um, I mean, it, when I was in a preseason game up there, I remember standing next to Columbus and telling him, like, yo, we're going to have to go silent count in a fucking preseason game because no one can hear shit. Yelling at Chris Sims like, yo, we cannot hear you. Go silent. And that's no lie. I mean, that place is built acoustically to sound like a dome. It is the loudest fucking place I've ever been. It's nuts. So I'm very interested to see how the Broncos handle that. They got a week to get ready for the Seahawks. I guarantee you for all the hugs and kisses that came out of that game the other night, there was a lot of shit that the coaches went after the players about that they need to clean up, guaranteed. Guaranteed. So there's a lot There's a lot to be happy about, but there's also a lot to just sit back and say, we'll see. And that's really what this show's about. That's really what this next 
phase of training camp is about. The will see phase. After Seattle, when they bring San Francisco in and San Francisco comes and they start practicing together, those practices are more important than the damn games. The practices are so important. That, that's a we'll see week. We'll see who steps up and who doesn't. Some of these guys who are probably going to get cut in Denver, the other teams want to see. We'll see how you respond, how you step up. You know, there's a young kid today that they had they kicked out of practice because he was not hustling. He's walking around and shit. No leadership. No, a la- total lack of, of maturity on this kid's part. Out there pouting and shit because it, it's not going his way. If I'm John Elway, I'm cutting his ass immediately. You don't want to fucking be here? We got to motivate you? This is the Denver Broncos, dog. You're not excited about going to work? When I had to turn in my retirement papers for the Broncos, it was the worst day of my life, but I couldn't do it anymore. Man, you've got an opportunity. Play it to the fucking bone or kick rocks because there's there's some other cats out there who'd love to be in your position. As a wide receiver, tell me that a guy like Bryce Bobo, who was here in the past and is now in, in, I think he's in Edmonton in Canada, tell me he doesn't want your fucking job as you're out there moping around and feeling sorry for yourself. I, I'm glad I don't know the guy's name because I'd be dog cussing his ass on the show right now if I did. It's unacceptable. It's the same thing I say to my guys at the gym. Why I have to motivate you? This is football, dude. You're supposed to love this shit. I shouldn't have to motivate you to to go after your own passion. All right, that's episode 41. That's a fucking wrap. Um, We'll obviously be back on Friday or next Monday, depending on uh, how I feel uh, and if I want to watch the rest of the NFL games throughout the weekend. Uh, And we'll bring you our recap of week one and see where we're going after that. Next week's huge as the Niners come into town, I'm pretty sure. Uh, The Buffs continue their trail here. Uh, as, as training camps opened and, and they start, you know, kicking ass up there in Boulder. Uh, the Rammies up in Fort Collins have opened. The Falcons have opened in Colorado Springs. The football's back, baby. And I'm so damn excited. One last thing. Man, check out at Kenzo Customs on Instagram and Twitter. My man built me some unbelievably sick statues of me when I was playing. I'm blown away. I'll show him. I'll, I'll post them up when he brings them up to the gym later this week. But you got to check that out. It's an unbelievable service. Thank you, brother. Those are sick. So that's episode 41, McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Uh, check it out at 60 Academy on Twitter and Instagram, and then at BSN Unchained on Twitter for the show. If you want to have any questions or any feedback or correspondence, thank you to 10thanuni.com and neuroxpf.com. And remember, we're always trying to give back to our community. So if you're a small business and you want to be involved with the show, please let me know. Thank you to our friends at bsndenver.com. Uh, My man Andre, for all the hard work you do, this is episode 41. That's a wrap.